One other thing I wanted to ask you about. I saw that you were live in Iowa. You were also born in Iowa. How do you feel about the aspect of traveling then? Because the guy who's basically lived in that state, I would wonder, like, I would think, like, he's probably not a big fan, and that might be one of the most challenging things. But was it? I don't know. Traveling? Yeah. Were you, was that challenging for you, or did you adapt to that right away? Or how did you think all the travel right away? I'm so much better at it now. It's like I just look forward to it. I'm based out of, I work out of Iowa City. As soon as I would get off work, there'd be days where it, and mind you, I would have to open the store I worked at at 5 a.m. I might leave at 2 o'clock, and then I got four hours right to St. Louis, and bell time 7.30. Mm. You know, and then some nights I have to open the store in the morning, so I'm leaving the show and coming right back, but I mean, it, it's just, you're just, you just feel free as a bird when you're on that road, mm. listen to music, podcasts, whatever, heading to that next town. It's just, it's the best feeling. I, and I don't ride with anybody either. I, I go all these places by myself. I just, I like, you know, I don't have to share the radio with anybody. <laughs> I, you know, I'll go to St. Louis. I would go to Minneapolis, Kansas City, Quad Cities, maybe uh, Sioux City. But, yeah, I got this nice little circle. I'd like to get more into Chicago. But the thing is, as you get older, I think traveling gets a little better, too, because you can afford a better vehicle. It, it was so it was so tough in the beginning when you're broke-ass and uh, you're putting four or five people in a car. Like, Myself, Cody Hawk, Ray Steele, Shark Boy, we do, we, we would go, you know, that five hours out to Pittsburgh for PWX. And you know what, that, one of the things, you know, maybe if I would have did things different, you know, I, mean, I wasn't I, I wasn't as hungry to do that travel like, say, CM Punk and Cole Cabana. Those guys would drive from Chicago to Philadelphia because they wanted to be in Ring of Honor that bad. I give those guys so much credit. I, I just... I wasn't willing to go Cincinnati to Philly and things like that. It's just, oh, and, and when I lived in Texas, here's some more crazy traveling. At Rudy, Rudy Boy Gonzalez, you know, he trained uh, Daniel Bryan and Brian Kendrick, Lance Cade. He, he was so hardcore with his students. He would drive. You all, you, you know, you pay him, get in the rental car, off you go. He was going from San Antonio to Atlanta, uh -huh. San Antonio to Philadelphia, whatever. It's like... He was—that's a hardcore traveler, you know. He had some guys willing to do that, and I come on those guys. Yeah, hundred percent. But at this stage, I'm good five, five to six hours. I'm not too thrilled about eight hours, but if, oh my god, if it's it's for a certain opponent or it's the right dollar amount, yeah, I'll do eight hours too. <laughs> One thing, uh, two, two more things I want to ask you. One of them being, I don't really ask this often, but I'm kind of curious. You're a very straightforward guy. Maybe you don't have to name any names, but like pet peeves in wrestling. Maybe something that somebody will do in a match or something that like would bother you as a wrestler. Like, ah, man, like, why did the guy do that? Or, you know, what, what's something that bothers Warren Fox? Nowadays, it's like I, I get tired of seeing you hit this one big move to pick him up to hit that, to do another big move just for that other person to kick out. Yeah, if you hit me with a big move, I'm gonna lay down. I'm not gonna get right up so you can knock me down with another move. Right. But uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm like other old timers. It's just less is more. You know, one day you're gonna you're gonna need those bumps back that you're wasting by doing so many moves. Have you, ever had, have you ever had anybody be like, I don't know, I mean, stiff and snug's one thing, but have you ever been anybody just been careless with you or try to take advantage of you in the room? Every now, no, that, 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 was, that kind of stuff happened early on. Yeah. Like my first or second year in the business, this one guy had a move where he hooked you in a full Nelson. It was a different type of suplex. I don't know what kind of suplex that was. And I said, no, I really don't feel comfortable taking that move. And this is when he had like 15 years experience. I had one, one year and just like I thought, he ended up dumping me on my head on that suplex that he had to get in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these guys that have to get their shit in. Mm. Or stuff that's ridiculous. It's like, I, no, I'm not going to do that. If you want to do these three moves, I'll let you do that one move. But the other two, we don't need it. So right, right. I'm like, I'm a lot. I'm like, no, we don't need that. We don't need that. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, the other thing that bothers me, yeah, it's just like there's too many uh, kicking out at two and three quarters. Mm. Every match does that. I mean, we need more kicking out at one, one and a half, then maybe two. It's like. Let the opponent wear you down. Like, if you see my matches, you're going to see one kickouts. You're not going to see two and three quarters right at the beginning of the match. Mm. I, I don't, I, yeah, I'm, I get tired of that, too. It's like uh, every match has to have the, the, all those near falls. Every match doesn't need the near falls. One thing I liked, I heard uh, Ric Flair say this once was, and this is Flair and Steamboat, but he was saying yeah. early on that he would knock uh, Ricky down. 
And Steamboat would pop right back up, and he'd talk to me. He said, Rick, he said, slow it down. He said, maybe get up to, like, you know, one knee at first, you know, or, you know, like, maybe, you know, like, slowly, yeah, work it in, you know. And I was like, oh, man, like, that's Ric Flair telling you. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know? You're obviously a very passionate guy. I'll just wrap this up. Is there any goals you got left you want to do in pro wrestling right now? My goal right now is if Matt Cardona signs with AEW, mm. I would love to have a match with him, or even, I, I don't know if I, if, if it's in the cards, because I'm 44, that they would let me do a program with him if they plan on making him one of the top guys, but, uh, just bring me in one time, then, just, just to have a match with Matt Cardona on that AEW stage, let Rory Fox finally be on that main stage and have a credible match where it's 50-50, or it's competitive, WB never gave me that one match where I could be really competitive and showcase what I could do. It was always enhancing talent. I think that one wish would be, yes, let me wrestle Matt Cardona on that stage on TNT. It'd be great, you know, if I get in good enough shape. Because that's one thing, too, Biz. You have to really, really, really be in shape. you got to really be that, look that part. And... If I get where I need to be, I would love to do a whole feed with him. And having that money money behind the promos, just all the, God, the, the angle we could do, and just let me come across to America how much I dislike him and how he ruined my career and the shame I felt. And now I want him to personally feel the shame that I felt for 10 years. And just let that come across on a national stage. And then maybe just... Let the world audience see that, you know what, I'm a pretty good pro wrestler, and it's just a lot of people don't know that. They just, I'm rapid delivery or the exploding chunks guy. <laughs> There's a lot more to me. I wish I could show. I, I, I would love AEW to be that platform. But otherwise, hey, me and Matt are going to have some matches on the indies, and if that's all it's ever going to be, that's great. I'm still going to keep wrestling because I love to do it. I make pretty good money at it where I wrestle, and... I just love being around the boys, exchanging stories, and so many shows, there's a legend here or there, and just getting to pick their brains for 10, 15, 20 minutes, which that's wonderful. That's awesome, man. I hope you get that. I mean, just, just hearing you talk about it, it gets me excited. So I, I'm a wrestling fan, so I think that will translate well, man. Do you uh, have anything you want to promote? Uh, Twitter, uh, Instagram, whatever. Yeah, I'm at RoryFox underscore on Twitter. And I have uh, RoryStocks11 on Instagram. I also have a Facebook page. But just if you want to look at, there's another complete side to Rory Fox. I, I call it a, an, an alternate personality. I believe, as far as wrestling goes, that I have two or three wrestling personalities. I am also known, because it came out of this uh, promotion in Kansas City that had some money behind them. We created our own new characters. You had to create a character that they owned. And they went out of business, so it's kind of a free-for-all for using that gimmick because, you know, I got trunks, I got the trunks, the boots, the ring jacket, all this gear, and he's known as Gil Rogers. He's a wrestler that honors the history of the business. And he loves to be a professional wrestler. His name is Gil Rogers, and he's also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Give him a look. He's also out on social media, but he's nothing like Rory Clark. Right. It's almost like we are... Uh, Andy Kaufman and what was his other persona? The guy in the car of Blue Taxi. Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton, thank you. Yes. <laughs> two, com- two completely different persons, and one will not acknowledge the other. So you may get nasty Rory Fox yelling at Matt, uh, at Matt Cardona on Twitter, but you won't hear uh, Gil Rogers discrediting anyone. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, um, all right, hey. Uh, thanks for doing the show, Rory. Hey, man. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I think it came off great. I'm uh, excited. Uh, I appreciate you doing this, though. You're awesome to talk to. Thank you. Absolutely a pleasure, man, and i definitely like to have you on again in the future. So, Thank you. Hopefully, hope, hopefully it comes across well. I, I, I tend to ramble sometimes, so. I mean, I, I, I like it. I just George South is like, he gets very excited. He was all over the place, too, and I thought it was one of my best interviews. I, I like the passion. I think it goes, when people, you can tell people just love talking wrestling, I think, I don't know, that's me. I'm 43 years old. I've been a fan since I was like five or six, so, you know. Okay, yeah, just let me know when, and I'll start to plug it. But yeah, definitely, uh, when you listen to some people, passion is definitely infectious. Oh, 100%, man, 100%. I definitely felt yeah, and definitely as you start to interview other people, they're going to be like, 
No, I did this at this time. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll find out. But, uh, I, I've, been, I've been discovering oh, yeah. We've been very fortunate, but there's definitely some guys, like, you know, it takes them a little while to get warmed up. And sometimes they don't, and then sometimes they're slow starters and they're awesome. Uh, I attribute to know what kind of day somebody's having to, and I got thick skin anyway. So, you know. Well, anyway, you heard this interview. This was this was booze free. So the other one was me getting drunk with the boys and people I knew for twenty years. And the only difference was is I was talking to my friend, and we just happened to be recording it. That's. If you know me, that's how I am. If I get around certain people and sure. having fun, I, I, I knew that. Right away. I was not expecting the same. I was like, I mentioned, I have a buddy who edited everything and produced everything, and he's on the pod. And I said, uh, I don't think we're going to get the same, Rory, because I don't. Th- I I would not expect him to be drinking. It sounds like he's going to yeah. be coming off of work and then talking to me. So. But it, it, it seems like that's start, starting to be. This is what. If this is what those WD guys want for me, I mean, I'm going to give that to them. It's like, you know, maybe I'm going to be the new honky-tonk man Iron Sheik in these promos, you know? But minus yeah. minus Iron Sheik's drugs, you know, it's just alcohol-fueled rage. But it's, and the great thing with Matt Cardona is, is you know, everyone, I, I, I don't need to say that on the show, just between us, it's like, everyone has fun at the wrestling shows. Working Fans Podcast, cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. Welcome back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer Joe likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. We're on Instagram where you can keep up with us at WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then you can now listen to us on all major platforms, including Anchor.fm. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. It's the Working Fan Podcast with the man they call Dave, Mr. AJ Strangebrew, and we're kicking off kind of, I want us kind of a new format. We're going to be doing this pretty much every episode now. We're going to have Dave versus AJ. You can call it arguing over shit. Arguing over shit. <laughs> so we're going to start off, uh, basically how's it going to work too. AJ's going to take a, a point, I'm going to take a counterpoint, and we're going to argue perspective points today we're going to do career versus career and although behind the scenes here i thought this was kind of a layup aj has agreed to take the take the counterpoint i'm going to be honest with you dave i thought going into this that it was going to be a layup for you also uh-huh. more more research that i've done yes the more i actually believe what i'm going to argue hey i love it i love it now little quick thing aj would argue with me anyway he's very good at these segments <laughs> But here's the here's the first all right the first one we're doing career versus career two of my all time favorites two guys no matter what we're gonna say today we both respect immensely in the ring we're talking about Mr Perfect Kurt Henning versus Bret Hart I'll be taking Bret Hart AJ will be taking Mr Perfect AJ since you're so confident <laughs> I'm gonna let you go first today. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. This On the outlook, this is very simple because all you got to do is go, okay, Kerr hadn't held a world title, but it was for a defunct organization that was on the tail end at the end of... Sure. And, and it was very much the beginning of his career in 1986. And Bret Hart, obviously, holding the WWE world title or WWF world title at the time, multiple times, it's very easy to go, hey, 
well, one was clearly a world's champion, mm-hmm. and I can see that. I respect that. But then I started looking at longevity of career, prolonged singles runs. When you look at Bret Hart's actual singles run, mm-hmm. you're talking about a very limited amount of time, and it's during a time period where wrestling was not exactly at its peak. Good, good. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not taking anything away from him for nope. that. I make the same argument, unfortunately, against Shawn Michaels, who's one of, obviously, our all-time favorites. But in the time period where Brett got the title put on him, you're talking about Hogan walking away from the WWE. You're talking about Ric Flair deciding all of a sudden that he wants to go back to WCW. And them struggling to find somebody to put that belt on right away. Bruce Pritchard even talks about the fact that they had like seven guys that they considered, including Tito Santana, for Christ's sakes, to put the belt on. So it's not like Brett was there, hey, this is our moneymaker, we're going to put the belt on this guy, sure thing to put the belt on. So that that's where I would start looking at this, and it's not quite as clear as it once did. All right. Now, so also a little peek behind the curtain today. Me and AJ are FaceTiming so we can see each other, and he can see me <laughs> smiling. I can. <laughs> I know, although he's basically doing some good stuff here, we're still ultimately talking about an elaborate smokescreen. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why, folks. We're going to break this down first. Because although he's breaking down Brett's career, and there are some holes in some of that stuff you said, so... I'm going to just attack it from another side. Brett was in that position. <laughs> Mr. Perfect wasn't. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Let's not... you got to remember something. Go ahead. The reason why Mr. Perfect was not in that position is before the match that put Brett on the map. Mm-hmm. And I think we can agree the match that put Brett on the map was Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart as a singles wrestler. Perfect had injured his back before that. Yes. And he took time off during the time period that we're talking about. And even to a point where he was actually managing or advising Ric Flair. So, Mr. Perfect was actually injured, and that's why he was not in the picture. So, let's just put that out there, too. We're going to put that out there. Now, we got some people to help vote on this subject here. And I was going to wait a little bit towards the end, but I'm going to take one of these votes. I wanted to highlight some of these people. In particular, you're going to find out Scott's going to be a guy we go to on this segment. Because until otherwise... This guy gave me some well, well written stuff. And on this particular case, I want you to hear this because he agrees with some of what you're saying. I'd have to say Bret Hart had the better career. Unfortunately, Perfect never held the big one and Bret was in one of, if not the greatest mania match of all time. For some reason, Kurt was just a gatekeeper and Bret kept going on. Bret got to be the top guy. Sadly, I think it was due to those injuries. Kurt's skills diminished a little at a time as time went on. He also got stuck working with people he probably couldn't get good matches out of, no matter how good he was. Now, now, now I want to mention something, because that's a great point by Scott, and I absolutely love that point. But I do want to mention something. That match that he's talking about, I assume he's talking about the Iron Man match between Brett and Sean at WrestleMania. No, no, no. He's talking about, I can almost guarantee it. Brett Austin, WrestleMania 13. Oh, no, I can see that, too. No, that's great. Yeah. I'm sorry. Both of those matches, fantastic matches. Mm-hmm. I do want to say something, though. The matches that Mr. Perfect had with Hogan in 88, I guarantee you drew more money than that match did. Well, that was Hulk Hogan, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's the thing. At the end of the day, if we were arguing who was the better worker in the ring, that's really fucking oh, close. Oh, God. Now, I know, like, I'm not even saying, I don't you would take the uh, argument of perfect. I know you would. I would. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that would be hard for me because those are two different set of skills a little bit, very similar. If you take better promos, I think you would go with perfect. However, I would say that Brett had a very good different type of promo and Brett Heel was also very good, especially when you look at the later on when they did the Heart Foundation US versus Canada gimmick. Well, here's where I was going to go with this and I was going to mention this already was the length of Brett's single run. Yes. Because a lot of people will mention, well, when you factor in his career, you got to factor in his tag team wrestling. His tag team wrestling, he wasn't the focus in the tag team. Mm. We can go back and we can look now and make him the focus. And yes, he was a great wrestler, but Jimmy Hart was actually the focus of that team. And then after him, the anvil with that weird laugh, <laughs> believe it or not, are the things that I remember from the promos and stuff 
Bret Hart said almost nothing for the first five years of his career in WWE. That, that's a bit of an exaggeration. You're not wrong. Anvil was the guy. Jimmy Hart was the guy. Bret even readily admits he used to wear the sunglasses, so he didn't show his eyes were nervous in the beginning of this. However, as time went on, I would say around, ooh, 1988... When Bret Hart was one of the final two guys and he lost the Battle Royal to Bad News Brown, they started putting them in singles competition. They started noticing that Bret could go. They eventually brought him back and they had another tag run where they run the uh, tag titles from the demolition and they got a second run out of that. But ultimately by 91, as the match you pointed earlier where Bret and Mr. Perfect got to wrestle and Perfect had that injury, that match put Bret on the map. Now, as we know in this business, sometimes it's about timing. If that timing had been a little bit different, I would be saying Mr. Perfect clearly had the better career. But unfortunately, the timing didn't go that way. It went the way of Bret Hart. The other thing that hurt Mr. Perfect was is that when he got injured was literally the steroid period. So that's when the trial and everything was happening. And finally, Vince kind of had to go with the smaller guys that could work better. Sure. If that had happened two years earlier, Lord knows where Perfect could have actually been and what it would have situated. Now, I think we can agree on something. When it comes to technical, I'm not taking anything away from Kurt. Bret Hart is one of the best technical wrestlers Mm -hmm. in the history of wrestling. When it comes to applying holds, knowing where holds should be, knowing how to put a match together, Bret Hart might be the best of all time. I'm not going to say he is the best of all time because he says it enough. (laughs) Um... (laughs) However, one of the things I think we can agree on is Mr. Perfect until probably Shelton Benjamin and Elix Skipper, probably the best athlete I had ever seen in a wrestling ring. So, another fun fact here, too. Um, another little peek. Under during these votes, uh, we're recording three subjects today. People will get them as they go on. Out of all three subjects we're doing today, this was the only one that got one tie, one even vote, one where one guy wouldn't pick a vote. That's our producer, wow. Joe. Joe, I'm calling you out next time. Pick a wow. damn, <laughs> pick a damn side. Wow! But wishy washy. <laughs> but I mean, I think that as people will know, the topics we're talking about too, we're going to be competitive and close. That shows you, even though I did feel like this was a more clearly decided subject, not everybody did. And at the end of the day, Joe's argument was they both had really great careers. In fact, I'll even take a look at Joe's thing here because I know if I misquote him, I'll fucking never hear the end of it. You'll hear about it for years. So let me see here. Let me talk to you. I was going to say, if you want, I'm not even looking at it. I'll quote him. (laughs) Too close to pick a better career. Both top-level talent. Brett had more notoriety, but Henning was a solid upper mid-carder, both from wrestling. See, it's funny as he says that, I feel like he's making my point about Brett though. <laughs> like, you know? Like, that's the idea. Brett had more notoriety. That's the argument, unfortunately, at the end of the day. And that's where, look, we got a vote coming. That's the one now, thing. AJ yeah, doesn't know the votes yet. I do know wait the result minute, of the votes. I want to ask you a question real quick. Sure, okay. Is Bret Hart now known more for his wrestling, or is he known for one thing in particular now? Ooh, that's a tough one. Unfortunately for him, the Montreal Screwjob is one of the most famous angles of all time. If Mr. Perfect was involved in that, he'd be known for that too. That thing turned the wrestling world around because that led us to the greatest character possibly of all time, Mr. McMahon. Yeah. So, so that's one of the things that I thought about when I, and, and don't get me wrong, at the end of the day, obviously, if somebody's got multiple world titles, yeah. uh, their career ends up being more spectacular. We, we, more, we, agree, we agree on that because we're both kind of belt marks for the belt, too. Exactly, but, and some people will disagree with that because some people never needed the belt because we could do this with Rowdy Piper and Brett and say who is the bigger name. And Rowdy never held the belt. And right. I don't think Brett would hold the same. <laughs> I'm not saying Brett would have won that one either, but... That's a hell of a bigger argument, and I, I, I might saying. go rowdy. It's tough. Right, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, or we could do David Arquette versus Rowdy. Um, <laughs> Fuck. We- <laughs> yeah, we could also do a lot of famous actors, but that's not what we're talking about. I know he was a former world champion. Forgive me. No, no, but, but, but my point behind yes. this is very simple. At the end of the day right now, unfortunately for Brett, and we can, like we talked about, technical prowess, he's maybe the best of all time, and... 
at the end of the day, he's going to now be known for that Montreal screw job. Whereas we have a tendency of looking back with Mr. Perfect and just remember great wrestling. Sure. And that's all about timing and everything. But at the end of the yeah. day, we are going to say whether it's the Montreal screw job. Well, at the end of the day, Brett had a better, more successful career in terms of he was involved in more famous angles. He had more championships and more main events at that time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I'm willing to concede that, but let's still go to the votes. And let's go to the votes. So the votes ended up being on this one. There's eight. All these segments, at least in the beginning for the first three weeks, are going to have eight votes. And this was our only tie. Like I said, there was one tie in it. And at the end of the day, Brett got five votes. Mr. Perfect got two, not counting us, obviously. So, well, we're not going to count our votes. Wait a minute. Who is the other person other than Matt who um, voted for uh, Perfect? <laughs> Uh, Randy Osga out of uh, Grizzly. Love you, Randy. Love you. <laughs> I never told the guys who was taking up what point, by the way. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't Good. mind if you do. Yeah. So there was no, again, too, at the end of the day, at least with this particular one, nobody's going to disrespect either one of these guys. Almost everything we got was, every vote was a response of, I got to go with Brett, but both had really great careers, both really great competitors. Yeah, and down the line, we're going to do some where we're going to have battles of two people who we might not necessarily have respect for. <laughs> so this is going to get interesting. All right. All right, let's wrap this one up. AJ. Thank you for making this fun for me, the first segment. No, I'm sure thank you for the perfect segment. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be some other segments where I'm not thanking you. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's get out of here. Working Fans Podcast, we're out. Welcome back, fans and new listeners. This is AJ Strangebrew. We've got my co-host Dave, the biggest wrestling fan I know. And this week, we are very privileged to have one of New England's top comics. This man has won Foxwood's top comic. He has appeared on E-Television. He's the author of a great book on How Not to Suck at Comedy, which you can get on Amazon. We, he's got two albums out there, Good Try and Birthday Like a Funeral. And then, of course, he's got a brand new podcast out there, Podophiles, where he literally breaks down with his two co-hosts everything that none of us want to talk about. Mr. Pat Oates. Pat, welcome to the show. Hey, one of the greatest intros of all time. If you could do my eulogy, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we appreciate you being on here with us. We know you're a very busy guy, I so we appreciate it. I wasn't included one of the biggest wrestling fans, because I, from 45 years, die hard. I, every day, watch WWE Network. I just no want sure. more than Netflix. Oh, that's fantastic. So that was actually going to be one of our first questions, was if you grew up on wrestling like we did. Since the network started, after the first couple months of just playing through it and stuff, I decided I was going to binge watch every Raw from 1993 and then the SmackDown and the pay-per-views. And I'm, I'm on 2003 right now. So I've done 10 years where every night I watch at least three or four or the pay-per-views and I just watch it like it's regular. That's what I binge watch. So I grew up on it. It was from, I, I used to go locally in New Haven when they come to the Civic Center or the Coliseum there. Sorry. And, uh, and I watched it every day, grew up with it, and still watch it to this day. Pat, I wanted to ask you, since you are a wrestling fan, then, one of the things I hear a lot of the old-time wrestlers talk about was back in the day when they go to different territories, they may have to change their style of, of how they perform with that particular audience. Do you ever have to do that in comedy, if you're in a different like demographic, have to like, maybe change the act up a bit? It, you know, it's just like the booking territories. I think the performers think they have to do it because they're afraid that if they don't, they won't get booked in the territory. But once you realize it's your talent that's getting you there, then you do your own thing. So when I first started, I was more afraid of, oh, maybe they won't hire me again. So if they tell me to be clean, be clean. Or say not to say this, don't say that. I want to come back. And then I finally realized, no, I'm the one creating all this. They don't know my act. They're just overthinking things and thinking fans are going to leave or they're overthinking the room. So after a while, I'm like, screw that. I'm being me in the crowds with laugh because they're overthinking it. People want to laugh. They're thinking what they think other people want. You know, so it's like, it, 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 that's not a thought that gets caught in a lot of young comics' heads. But just be yourself. I mean, if someone says, hey, don't swear, and that's their rule, then if you swear, don't take the game. That's what you can do. Why would you take it to one show? It doesn't matter. So, yeah, I, I think that that's something that you, you're starting to realize. When Hogan decided, you know, I don't need territory. I'm Hulk Hogan. And he just was Hulk Hogan. Once he got, once Vince got into the air and did that, he would change who he was unless he wanted to. He wanted to be bad guy, so he did on his own. No one wanted him to not be the real American, but 
he did it to screw you. I'm Hollywood Hogan. And just went against the green and became more famous than the heel. Exactly. Yeah, I just compared myself to I just compared myself to Hogan, and that's fine. I think, like myself, what I have most in common with Hogan at this point is my hairline. Oh, and, and sagging tits. <laughs> Absolutely. I think one of the problems we have in wrestling right now is that people are afraid to be themselves because of the WWE system to a point, and I think that that's what's hurting them and affecting their ratings in wrestling, quite frankly. Well, I also think it's because no one's showing that they can. I mean, someone really says, I think there's someone, the people that are wrestling now, the other kids, are more worried about, and I don't know what you guys are a fan of, I'm not a fan of AEW because I hate the young ones, and I know that's against the grain of things. <laughs> I, I, like, I like when wrestling, when they wrestlers sell. When they care. The young bucks are a fucking trapeze act. And they're not saying they're not talented. It's not what I like. But these young kids now are more worried about the cool moves and the things that are on the internet and all that stuff. So when they come up, they're not caring about building a character. Because they're like, oh, they'll build me one. I have to learn sweet flips. I have to learn how to jump on 12 people and they stand there pretend they're going to catch me. Why would 12 people stand there waiting to catch you? <laughs> Why are you standing there? What are you looking up at? Run away. A guy's running at you. say that um, a lot of the young wrestlers it seems like they're hitting the hot spots or hitting their high spots or trying to do everything fast boom 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 and is that more like mirror society a little bit like okay it's the, even though it's athletically hard it's the easy way to try to get that cheap pop and having the patience to build a long story is a dying art much like people don't want to you know everybody wants to binge watch a series now nobody wants to like wait a week yeah it's definitely that and it's also the evolution of they don't want to be their grandfathers at headlocks and chain wrestling, and they can't be the attitude era when it really wasn't wrestling. Unless we all look back, I think it's great. The wrestling itself wasn't that great. It was storylines and madness. I mean, the matches themselves, a lot of times, were just not even really matches. It was just a lot of gaga. Right. And then I think the younger kids watching that were like, started watching ECW and started watching, I think big influences are young people like Evan Bourne back then and stuff like that, where they're like, well, you're kind of getting over, but they're not doing the weird stuff. And that looks cool. And I'm little. I can do that. I don't want to get with a chair. And I don't want to be this. And I think that's kind of where that came from. But there still are guys. Like, as much as I don't like AEW, MJF is, is, is old school. MJF is 1980s heel. Yeah. Um, and, and guys like that, so that's the ones you watch. I love Baron Corbin. I'm one of the biggest Baron Corbin fans in the world. Because he's one of the few guys who actually gets heat, like a Bradshaw and stuff. He's yeah. a real heel. You'll never cheer for him. And that, guys like that are taking those chances. There's few and far between. But yeah, most of them just want highlight reels. They want you to say, that looks cool. Yeah, we had this talk with somebody the other day where they were putting down Baron Corbin. And I told him flat out, I was like, do you not like Baron Corbin? And they told me, they're like, no, I hate him. I was like, that's his job. You're yeah. not supposed yeah. to like him. Give me another heel you hate right now. Nobody e can't. Exactly. The Miz was that for years. And then they, I mean, they, then they because of that TV show, he had to go faithful, and it ruined it. But the Miz was incredible at it. Yeah, and, even and, when he started to cheer for him, he made sure he did. Jericho for years was amazing at that. You go, you know what? I'm starting to like it, and he turn around and make you so much better. But like right now, Corbin's that guy. He's the only one that can really do that. Yeah, I agree 100. percent Now, with your style of comedy, I'll be honest with you. A lot of it almost reminds me of the old school promos. Not necessarily the heel promos or that you're doing a promo, but the way you're able to actually communicate your feelings to the crowd and the way you're able to get a, a connection with them. And sometimes it comes off like Ultimate Warrior. I don't know where I'm going with it. For some reason. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I'm not. The one thing it's funny. I joke about anything on stage. I don't joke about wrestling because I love it too much. And <laughs> it's the one thing I'm like, I don't want to make fun of it. I, I love it too much. I make references and I'll say things, but like, you get it, you get it, you don't. But yeah, 
to me when I'm on stage, I'm cutting promos. Right. I'm the road warriors. I'm coming out yelling, and I'm, I want them to learn catchphrases. It's definitely that old school. Like I was never a fan of the guys who yelled. I was a fan more of like you know, obviously Jake Roberts, where he like changed how you do promos. Like when you when you bring you bring the silence down. I, that's a thing I learned from a comedian. AJ, I think you know Rodney Norman. Oh, absolutely. Uh, comic. Rodney taught me something when I started. It's called Moth to a Flame. You quiet yourself. The people in the back are talking. You quiet down. You tell jokes. The people are paying attention. They're getting the message. Other people in the back that aren't listening will quiet down. They go, what are they looking at? What are they listening to? And that's what Jake Roberts did. He brought it down. He got quiet. He listened to the Undertaker. Early on, not Mark Calloway now having feelings and shit. Undertaker, that's the day where he would be quiet on a, on a fucking ranch talking about it. Say, Fuck you, I don't want to see you quiet. You're not supposed to have parents, Mark Calloway. He's the Undertaker. Anyway, so I, I love the documentary. Anyway. But like, it's one of those things where in wrestling, I learned at the beginning, I would scream and yell in comedy. It would just get some people. When I learned to sometimes yell and then sometimes bring it down, when you have to promo, I would get their attention more. Mm. So almost like a high spot then, essentially. Don't hit them all the time with it. Save it and make it mean more. Just tell a good story. It doesn't yeah. mean that they have high spots. Yeah. Just give me, give me Macho Man's uh, Dragon and fucking WrestleMania 3. Absolutely. Just a bunch of false finishes where you think I'm going to be done for a while. You don't know what's happening. But it's <laughs> scripted out, but you don't think it is. Have you ever performed with any wrestlers or know any wrestlers? Because it seems like there's a lot of wrestlers trying to do comedy right now. No, I had a, I did have a wrestling podcast for a little bit with a guy named Derek Moore. And Derek is a comedian who also does uh, wrestling announcing. He was uh, he worked at uh, the Power Factory for a little bit too. Or Monster Factory, I'm sorry. Monster oh, yeah. Factory for a little bit. And he had a connection with them. And so we were doing a podcast for a little bit. I had already had three other podcasts. It just got to be too much. And also it got weird for me. It started making me watch wrestling not as a fan. And I was like, ooh, I don't like that. I don't want to watch it as an analyst like I do comedy. And I, it, it kind of like spoiled my guilty pleasure of my love. Sure. So, but and, and I, I love wrestling, but I don't want to, a lot of comics try to do that. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want a wrestler trying to do comedy. You know, fuck you, Dolph Ziggler. I've seen it. It's not good. I got to see Mick Foley. That was funny, but story. He's not trying to do comedy. I don't know. I, I would never want to get involved. I just appreciate it. I don't even want to know exactly how everything's done. I wish there was more kayfabe. I love right. the magic of it. Oh, I miss the kayfabe. To me, that's the the whole... When you do wrestling, you know it's good. When you go to the show and you're thinking to yourself, all right, I know how this works, and then you still get sucked into it. To me, that's when wrestling is truly great. When you get caught up in a storyline and it starts to blur the lines of reality for you. When Ciampa and Gargano started that rivalry, I was like, I, I love wrestling again as much as I did as a kid. Oh, absolutely. And I wasn't loving it. Those two, even though we knew they're friends, even though we know it's fake, you would, for 45 minutes you would forget. And you're like, fucking Ciampa won't let this guy win. Ciampa, oh my God, what an asshole. And I, I, mean, I, I mean, he's probably one of my favorite wrestlers right now. I just absolutely love Ciampa. Like Gargano and him, that was the, was the rivalry you had to see. Like, I was hoping that he didn't always be allowed to do that when they came in. And they weren't allowed at the same level when they got to the big time than they were at NXT. But those who are doing that, you forgot every time. He didn't care. There's no way they're doing that to each other. They would die if they kept going through that wood and kept doing that move. But no, you just watched it and you just got lost in a great movie. That doesn't happen now. Matches now, it doesn't happen. They're trying. Or in an edge, they're trying, but it's not the same. You know, one thing I noticed too, like with the whole, uh, when everything happened with COVID, <clears throat> when they didn't have any, like, even wrestlers in the audience, it was very hard for me to watch. <laughs> and I thought it was... Do you like it more now, though? Because to me, it's phonier now. Well, see, here's the thing. I, They're being paid to cheer. No, I get where you're going with that, too, right? <laughs> There's definitely, it's definitely orchestrated. I guess, I just find, as a kid, so UFC has done, like, no fans in the audience. But when I'm watching an MMA fight, I'm rooting for the contest, the winner. So if I was a kid and I still was, like, holding on every outcome of this, I'd be like, oh, man, I can't wait. But now I kind of watch it more for, like, even though I'm a fan still, I'm watching it like for the performance and everything. And I don't know, like when it was just so dead quiet, it was it took away from it for a little bit for me. Only a, a certain amount of people capitalized that. And to me, who yes. really shined and showing out, Bailey and Sasha. Absolutely. Yes. Amazing at that. Bailey would yell at Cole every time he said something. But I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, you can hear him? Right. I never thought about that. And she's like, shut up, Cole. You don't know. Like, how cool is that? And she's wrestling, but she's so mad at Cole. And it, it, I think, if anything, it elevated them to the point where they're, they're the best thing on wrestling right now. Yeah, yeah, 100% agree. I, I love it. I love it. I, 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 
playing fucking Mandy. I, I'm not a uh, no. Otis. <laughs> Nobody on the planet believes that. <laughs> you know, I believe it. That's something you need. That you need an audience for. Yes. Right, 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 right. Audience thing. He said that that shouldn't have. I felt so bad for Drew McIntyre not getting his moment in the sun. Sure. And this run is going to be forgotten, and they're going to make a move. I, I have a feeling Undisputed Era is going to come up and take that belt from him. But I, I don't think they're going to smack that. I think they're going to. I think everyone thinks they're going to smack that. They're going to come take the belt from him and try to get him to chase the whole. He can be like maybe he's better off chasing someone again than being the guy. Because he needed that pop that, oh my God, you beat Brock, and he didn't get it, and it, it hurt him. But like right now, with no audience, you need good wrestling. Like, that's what you need in the ring, and you, you, but you need a decent story being told. You can't be over the top, zany, and stupid. Or it's like, but the fucking Street Profits are the worst wrestlers in the history of the world. And they're, they're, they're sitting there, and they're cheering for an, they're making, trying to make an audience that's not there to cheer for them. Like, you're not <sighs> seeing there's no one there with red cups. Right. Put your cups down. What is smoke? I don't know what smoke is. I don't want it. <laughs> There's a few wrestlers like that. You can see where it definitely was like this autopile and muscle memory where they would play to the crowd. And I caught that more when there was no fans. I'm like, what is he? Oh, that's right. He's used to doing that. <laughs> Me and Dave. And I, and I, I guess I get that. But at the same time, it's like, you should be focusing on this more than ever. Like, right. There's a reason why There's a reason why Edge and Orton are getting so much time because they have to trust guys to go like, can think about what they're going to do. Sure. But you know what to watch them keep wrestling. And Edge looks like a fucking bag lady. Like his eyes are fucking all cracked <laughs> out. Like, it doesn't look good. It's like, oh, I mean, Orton always looks amazing no matter what. And, like, what, and these, so, even when they're going, AJ, all, it's all the older guys. You think the younger guys get a chance to shine a little bit. This, I don't think they know how. They brought... weird because the indie guys are the ones wrestling in front of no one forever. Sure. They be able to do it. They even dusted off the big show and brought him back from Netflix. I mean, uh, why? I broke up right when you said it. Oh, I said they even dusted off the big show and brought him back from Netflix. Oh, yeah, because that's the audience you're going to get. Oh, God. <laughs> three, three white men like us who are sitting there watching us <laughs> are going to run quickly to watch big shows. I was hoping they dust off after that incredible, one of my favorite um, Stone Cold interviews on there. I was hoping Mark Henry was going to come back to oh. the whole channel. Yeah. He was so incredible in that interview. I mean, that, that was, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I cried a little bit at the beginning. He yes. was incredible in that interview. The story is amazing. And I wanted him to come out and challenge Drew or Braun. And the thing he about. Challenge Braun. That would make Braun look so good. He is a underrated promo guy, I feel. Like, if you go back to that hall of, like, pain run, he's absolutely so believable on the mic and terrifying. When he fooled. Lie. He fooled everyone with that retirement. Oh, yes. No one's ever done. Ever since they tried to do it, he fooled everyone. And then when he grabs Cena, you're like, oh, fuck, man. And it did not add, it did not add up. The match itself was great, but that build to it was unbelievable. And that just proved how much people wanted to root for it. Because at the end of the day, you still, no matter what, good guy or bad guy, you believe that guy can kill you. Yeah, I believe he could pop my head off at any time that he really wanted to. He squished fine pants. Yeah, it's terrifying. Oh, man. Uh, you talk about believability. Him, Brock Lesnar, there are certain guys that you just see, and it t- it just gets rid of all unbelievability. You know what else is like that? Cesaro. Absolutely. Yeah. He'll never get pushed, so all his fans in the world have to stop asking for it. I mean, he can't talk. He doesn't have the personality. I get that. But man, I really wish they did something because every time he's in the ring, I, I, he's the guy that I'm like, I think he's really wrestling. I think he's really doing things. But he's not. He's obviously not. But he's so strong. You know, like, when you watch him, you're like, I would rather fight Brock than run away from him. Cesaro scares me at every level. I'm like, sure. he's also quick. It's like, you know, the guys like that, you just watch them and you're like, that's a scary human being. He did the giant swing with Kali. That's absolutely insane. Which sounds like a porn move. Yeah. <laughs> they do the old giant swing with Kali. <laughs> Dave's going to go out and rent that later. Hey, right? you know what? <laughs> it's easy to stream everything now. I'll find oh, it. Man. I'll just bend you over the Punjabi prison. And <laughs> now it sounds like my marriage. Um. <laughs> Motherfucker, I hit the laugh button. Must have heard Dave drop the end bomb.
Alright, easy now, Thor. <laughs> <laughs> No snare, my headphones. All right, everybody, welcome back for another week of the 531, where we take our top five lists on a particular subject, debate it down to a top three, and from there, we figure out who is number one. This week, it is who is the top WCW pay per views. And not to break kayfabe, guys, but this is the first time that we're trying to record this on Zoom as well. Yeah, we're trying. I love the name Zoom. Yeah. yeah. AJ used to AJ used to Zoom a Zoom into Boom Boom back in the day. Just have you know. I almost looked yeah, into Zoom day. recorders too. <laughs> yeah. All right. So before this falls too far off the rails, Dave, you want to give us that first list? Yeah, I'm gonna give you a list from MLW superstar Logan Creed. Oh geez. Uh, Logan picked Halloween Havoc '93, Super Brawl '93. Starcade 97, Great American Bash 96, and Starcade 88. It's a solid list. I think you're going to see Great American Bash 96 up a few times. Bash 96 is a good possibility. That's um, the one where uh, I might remember Nash and Hall put fish off to a table. I was hoping you were going to comment on that i got a list i wrote some notes on some of them i forgot to do that for logan and uh sal's list here but very interesting that on the first list so far the bash at the beach where hogan turns is not on it you will be seeing that no worries <laughs> <laughs> now i got a list from former um, guest josh dunn and he includes sin 2001 Hogwild 96 hmm. halloween havoc 91 Slamboree 98, and Bash at the Beach 99. I mean, I'm always a sucker for a Halloween Havoc. Hog Wild made the list. The fact that anything from 2001 made a best list, absolutely incredible. I know. (laughs) I I almost want to go back and watch that Sin pay-per-view and see what is it. I bet it's the Cruiserweights. It's definitely not the title division, I bet. They had good wrestling on those pay-per-views because you had a lot of young talent, but they just didn't have any actual continuity of storyline. Dave, who do you got for that next list? Uh, I got NWA superstar Sal Inaro. Sal wrote in Great American Bash 89, Super Brawl 3, Starcade 89, Halloween Havoc 97, and Super Brawl 2. So again, you're seeing the Halloween Havoc get involved too. Spin the wheel, make the deal. That's what I think really put Halloween Havoc on the map. And I'm surprised they Coal haven't Miner. brought back the idea yet. Come on, Coal Miner's Bluff. <laughs> <laughs> another By the way, I actually, Joe, I forgot to tell you, I do have another list on here. I forgot. I got one from Royce Ipes as well. If you want me to go right into that since I'm bringing it up right now? Yeah, do that. Wait a minute. Is that NWA Superstar Royce Isaac? It is NWA Superstar Royce Isaac. Check out some the of ma- artwork. On Twitter, as I, I was going to say, Shinsuke Nakamura isn't the only artist in wrestling right now. <laughs> I was going to say, that man can draw anything. And he has stamps. Go ahead. Including the house. <laughs> He's got Spring Stampede 1999, Bass at the Beach 96, Great American Bass 1990, World War Three pay-per-view 1995. I'm going to guess that. Oh, my record. God. Wow. <laughs> and... Also, as we talked about off-air, we're going to see this pop up. We're wondering if it's a WCW pay-per-view, but when Worlds Collide. When I, Worlds I Collide is an amazing pay-per-view. I don't it think, is an amazing pay-per-view. I don't think technically WCW. I mean, you got guys that made their way through. You have Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar teaming up on that show. The Art Bar. Yeah. So, Down his boyfriend. <laughs> Luis Piccoli. Yeah. I've got Chris Zauha coming up next, another former guest and a member of Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group. He has Bash 96, Spring Stampede 94. Thanks for getting that plug in. Spring Stampede 99, Bash, I'm going to say Great American Bash 89, and Slamboree 94. When you got Bash at the Beach and Great American Bash, Bash is a shitty shorthand. Um, yeah, but there was no Bash at the Beach 1989. Good call. <laughs> a- anything else got, about uh, this? Uh, Great American Bash 89, great event. One of the last ones that, to me, had the 
fingerprints of the old NWA on it. That's something that when I fell away from WCW, it was almost sad to see because I thought that old NWA feel was what attracted me to WCW. And then when they got more to the Nitro era and fell away from that tradition, I, I wasn't uninterested, but I started losing interest in that time. To me, the early 90s pay-per-views were more of a WWE light. Oh, I love the early 90s stuff better, actually. Like, oh. you had the sign, the sign of Brothers, the Road Warriors, the Samoans, but the tag teams were on fire. You still had the horsemen around a little bit, too. Just so much good stuff, I thought. I, I agree with you with the talent pool. The talent pool It wasn't success, successful. I'm saying that Ole Anderson had no idea what to do with it. Well, yeah, Even he was Jim a little Burr. fun. Yeah. All right, Dave, who well, do you I got? I got for- a list here for Zach St. John, Zach from Griswold. He's got Spring Stampede 94, Beach Blast 92, which is mainly I remember for Cactus Jack versus Sting. Zach did point out that he was in high school at the time, and this also had the Medusa versus Missy Hyatt bikini challenge on it. He also picked When Worlds Collide. He did say if, that's even, if that even counts. I don't know if we should count it, but a lot of people are mentioning it. We um, watched... Didn't we watch that pay-per-view at the St. John's? No. We, not the uh, World Collide. No, we didn't. For some reason, I but, thought we watched that uh, pay-per-view with Eddie, with Eddie in our bar at St. John's. But we started hanging watch. out with him shortly after, around that time, though. Uh, uh, Super Brawl 2, which he pointed out to you, was Tillman versus Liger. And that's also where Sting uh, beat Lex Luger, who was very well-rested at that time. Wink, yeah, wink. Thank you, Jesse Ventura. And Dark... Starcade 95, which is also was the WCW versus New Japan stuff that year. God, I loved when New Japan had that working relationship with WCW back in the day. Brought Liger over, probably where I saw Shono. Next up, I've got a list from Daniel Allen. He's got Bash at the Beach 96, Great American Bash 90, Great American Bash 89, Halloween Havoc 89, and Wrestle War 92. It's not a bad list. Yeah, the problem, I got Mike Flynn here. The problem with these lists is I didn't research many of the cards. So when we get to my list, you'll kind of get how I've looked at WCW pay-per-views. Well, I got a list from Mike Flynn. And the number two on his list, I'm going to go early. I wrote down as a Great American Bash 19. <laughs> I'm huh. going to assume that's 91, but if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Mike. I don't uh, think there were 19 Great American Bashes. Didn't they do a Didn't they do a house show with a Great American Bash name last year for WWE? No, they Great didn't. American Bash 19. I'm just I being that sarcastic. That was said a good show. <laughs> yeah, this year it was an NXT property. Um, um, oh man. god, that was a thing this year. Jesus. Yeah, uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> we did real Also made his list. I almost feel like that's got to make it on there just because so many people voted for it. Bash at the Beach 96, Spring Stampede 99, and the Chi-Town Rumble. Oh, finally. That's a good one. Here's the problem, though. Is Chi-Town Rumble, is that an NWA pay-per-view or a WCW pay-per-view? And are we counting in? It was technically a WCW pay-per-view, but it was still Is that right after the buyout? Gotcha. All right, the next list I, I got it, up. I knew it was close. <laughs> the next list I got is from Jason D'Agostino. He has Halloween Havoc 89, Wrestle War 90, 91, and 92. And he's got Sold Out 98. Huh. What was on that store? We don't know. <laughs> yeah, that. I feel really I, bad that we did so little research I, for this. I, I don't remember I think that, the Sold Out, honestly. Yeah, I think that's when Rowdy Piper was um, on top in um, WCW, wasn't it? Yeah. I, if it was, they were drawing a ton of money, but that's for a later debate. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely could be a possibility. <laughs> he wasn't, wasn't that broken down old Terry Funk. That's another story. <laughs> All right, we'll have to we'll have to debate that sometime. Absolutely. So I got a list from speaking of Rock and Randy, Randy Osgood from Grizzle, former guest on the show. We got him on here. Russell War 92, Super Brawl 3, Halloween Havoc 97, Bash at the Beach 96, and also Chi-Town Rumble. Hey. Nice. I am... What was the main event on Chi-Town Rumble? That was when the great Ricky the Dragon Steamboat <laughs> beat Ric Flair for the world title. Yeah, that was a part of that trilogy. 
What I remember about that match is it being a lot better than Savage and Steamboat. It was close. Hard to say. <laughs> WrestleMania three was a great event, though. But that's, hey, that's something we can that's something we can debate sometime too. Mm. <laughs> now, well, let's be honest. So, I'll give you this: Steamboat and Flair had a lot more better matches. That's not even debatable. But there's also a difference in style. One is, hey, we'll call it in the ring, and one is, here's every move we're gonna do. Well, right, and that's from the inside <laughs> perspective. But I'm saying yeah. as a fan, growing up as a kid, I didn't know the difference. True that, true that. All right, do you have any more lists, Dave? I'm all out of lists on my end. I'm all out of my list. So we just got to do our do ourselves. All right, I'll give you my list starting off because I got three of them here. I'm going to go with that Chi-Town Rumble. I'm going to go with Beach Blast okay. 92. And I'll go with WrestleWar 92. For WCW, I don't remember a ton of pay-per-views. I remember ho- loving Halloween Havocs, watching Starcades. My thing was mostly the Clash of the Champions. And the one where they followed Ric Flair from his home to the venue is the one that sticks in my mind the most. I mean, if we were being professional, we probably could have researched a couple cards and come up with something, but... I, I'm just such an old WCW fan that I wanted to cover the subject, even though I had nothing much for it. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll give you my list. I'll let you close out today. But on my uh, list, I got I actually took Bash the Beach 96 off. I decided to put Wrestle wow. War 89 in there because it's a personal favorite of mine. Wow. Wrestle, 80, Wrestle War 89 is actually the beginning of the Terry Funk Rick Flair angle. So Flair wins the belt back with Steamboat. And then Funk attacks them, and that begins probably one of my favorite eras of wrestling. I'm actually I'm actually angry now that you went first. Now, Dave, <laughs> it, we actually covered that in a forgotten segment called "Dave Remembers." Yeah, well, I also talked about Flair and um, Funk at New York Knockout Class of the Champions. I okay, so. so that's the event we talked about, but the thing that you're talking right. about that kicked off equipment. that whole yeah. run. Yep. Yeah, Shy Town. Excuse me, guys. Shytown Rumble also made my list because I am a huge Ricky Steamboat fan, and that is the one world title he ever got. And although Rick is Steamboat's great for putting off those matches, he never quite had that long championship reign. So it's a good moment for him. Bash at the Beach 92, Sting versus Cactus Jack, Rick Root versus Ricky Steamboat in an Iron Man match, also a Young Raven and Scotty Flamingo versus Brian Dillman for the lightweight title. Did I accidentally send you my list? What's that? Did I accidentally send you my list? You did not. Also, Gordy and Williams wrestled the Steiners on that card. I know. (laughs) Also, this is on my list. I don't know if it's going to make yours. Starcade 93. Rick Flair wins the world title for Big Man Vader. I love the buildup of that. Throughout the whole show, Shivani and Rick in the limo. You're killing me. (laughs) It was a great... One of my favorite pay-per-views. And also... Wrestle War 92. I doubt anyone has this on their list. I don't have that. <laughs> right. Uh, a couple that people had it, actually. Okay. That I remember because the war game, it was Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance, and it was one of my favorite war games of all time. I recommend anybody go check it out. All right. All right. So here we go. Shy town Rumble 89. Damn right. <laughs> Dark Aid 93 because I have always been a Ric Flair mark. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I might as well just tell you to see Dave's list. <laughs> 89, Bunkin' Flair. Absolutely love that. What was that? That was Wrestle War, right? Yeah, it was actually Flair versus Steamboat, but the angle with Bunkin' Flair started. Yeah, that, right. but that's another one of my favorites. That's up there. Now, here's where we're going to vary a little bit. I think that Bash of the Beach 96 is where the NWO jumped off, where it took off from. So I think we have to put that on there. Mm-hmm. Because uh, just natural, visceral reaction to Hogan turning, the garbage in the ring, the emotion that it brought out, to me, has got to be on the list. And then my other favorite one was actually 97, Starcade, with Thing and Hogan. Sure. Because uh, it was just the end of something that they actually built up for a year. Yeah. And even though I didn't necessarily like the way it ended, I was a fan of the buildup for it and the emotional connection that it had with the fans. They fucked that up. But yeah, the build and everything was really good. Never better build. True. So now that we got all our top five lists out of the way, 
I don't even know how to whittle this down. We got Wrestle War 92. Definitely people have mentioned, so that goes on. There's not a ton that made a lot of lists. So since we got Wrestle War 92, what's that? Bass of the Beach 96 made a few lists, and I think it does have to be on there. I didn't include it because I figured it would be in the top three. Anyway. I, I think Chi-Town's got to be on there, 89. Okay, so we'll do Bash at the Beach 96 and Chi-Town Rumble 89. How how do you start cutting people from this list now? We got Wrestle War well, 92, Bash at the Beach 96, and Chi-Town Rumble 89. I'll tell you what, even though I didn't put Bash at the Beach 96 on my list, you're not cutting Bash of the Beach 96. I'll just start it right there. I, I think you got to cut Russell War 92. It's a great show, but that Steamboat Flair trilogy that starts off there is just a little more iconic, and I I lean on that one. That's my opinion. I think my emotional speech about the um, visceral reaction for 96 got to Dave a little bit, but that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, we can take Russell War 92 out of there. That's fine. Yeah, I, I actually agree. Yeah. All right, so and Bash 96 right or Chi-Town Rumble 89? Before we even Ooh. say this, I actually had Bash the Beach 96 down. I written down. It was number one on my list, and I basically wrote in Wrestle War uh, 89 just because I liked it better. But if we're talking about true important, I will debate AJ a lot of times, but he did hit the nail on the head. I thought, Dave was, I thought Dave was going to show his list. I was like, nobody's going to be able to read that, Dave. <laughs> I realized that afterwards. So I was like, I'm not even going to bother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so we're just going to give it to Bash 96 this week. And, guys. I it. It's the biggest moment in WWE. Yeah. yeah, I love Chi-Town for pure wrestling. I love Chi-Town 89. Yeah. But when it comes in pouring, Bash at the Beach 96 has got to be the one. It does. Well, guys, you know what the music means. That's another week of the 531. Everybody go check out Bash 96 and check out any good WCW pay-per-view from in the day. As always, get a hold of us on Twitter at FansWorking, website WorkingFansWrestlingPod.com, email WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com, WorkingFansPodcast Facebook page, We got a lot of shit to promote, guys. Help get us bigger and bigger, and thank you very much. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at FansWorking. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 